we know that um, as we suffer in this fallen world, um, our trials, our tribulations, our, our suffering is never purposeless. Um, you're making us into the image of your son. How amazing is that? And then we get to display um, the glory of Christ as we trust in you and we walk in the fullness of the Spirit even when things are, are hard. We have um, asked, uh, Lord, in Jesus' name, that you would help Paul and Suzanne um, this week as they walk through something very, very hard and no doubt the days ahead. We would pray you would grant to the um, people at UVA the ability to identify exactly um, what is uh, Paul's um, mental status and the difficulty and if there's any help that could be given um, or treatments that, that, that they would be able to learn that. So we would just, we would commit them to you uh, for your grace. Um, their years, we know you love them. We know you don't make any mistakes. Our, our trust and their trust is in you and you alone, but help them. Uh, dear Heavenly Father, I pray. Um, thank you for um, the saints who pray one for another here. Uh, Lord, and there's all of these situations, Barbara who has fallen and um, Barbara Seaburn's um, brother, Lou, and uh, this other family member now who has been severely injured and spiritual needs in all of their lives. So we pray for you to meet those, those needs. Um, Lord, family and friends that come in and, and visit, um, I would ask, Lord, that you would um, help um, even Mark and uh, Joy this morning. They have uh, friends coming in that they told us about from France. They're praying they'll be here in the service today, and we, we, we pray for um, ears to hear the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, so, Father, for um, all of these needs for um, my little girl as she goes to the dentist, um, Lord, grant her the peace of God that passes all understanding. Give her a calmness of spirit and a confidence in you and guide the um, hands of, uh, of the oral surgeon. Um, I would pray for my grandson, Trey, um, your grace and, and help for him. Um, help him to be able to trust in you, open a, a door for them to be able to see a physician. Um, Lord, all of these, these needs, um, we're a needy people. Thank you for the body of Christ. And even as we open your word and look at that now, we ask for your blessing in Christ's name. Amen. You have a handout? We have been looking, spending the summer looking at four spiritual disciplines that are essential for every believer in every season of life. And as soon as you are born again by the Spirit of God, if um, you are in a biblical, healthy church, they would begin discipling you, and, and immediately... Uh, these four things would begin to be built into your life. And it's not like, well, after you've been saved for a couple of years and, and are, are, are making progress here, that, that you either check off the box and you don't need it. So we, we've been looking at them extensively. So we've looked at the, the need of uh, Bible intake, as uh, Don Whitney called it, or Clay the other night, such a powerful message, he called it abiding in Christ, John 15. Uh, we've looked at all that in detail, and then we move to the absolute essential nature of prayer, because prayer ultimately is your relationship with God. And, um, and so we've looked at all of these spiritual disciplines 
the, the disciplines are for the purpose of godliness, and then we spent one week last week just looking at keeping a spiritual journal. This is not a prescriptive um, essential, that's why I didn't include it, but I wanted to put it in there because it's very helpful for you to maintain the long term and be successful uh, at these disciplines of Bible intake and prayer. The believer cannot live without them. You, you remember, well, some of you will, some of you will like, what are you talking about? If I say Popeye the Sailor Man, does that ring a bell with you? Can you sing that little ditty, you know, Popeye the Sailor Man? And, and you, you know, his great um, struggle. I grew up watching great cartoons uh, like that, you know, Brutus and he would always come around messing around with olive oil. And when, when Popeye would finally have enough, he'd say, I can't, I can't stand what I can stand. And then he would somehow, you know, pull out the skinny little guy. Talk, up, talk about concealed carry, okay? <laughs> this guy was a skinny little guy, and he could always pull out a can of spinach. And you never saw that on him. And, 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 and he had no strength, but somehow he could squeeze the can of spinach, and the spinach would go up in the air, and he'd open his mouth, and he'd swallow the spinach, and then this metamorphous kind of situation would come over him, and he would beat Brutus to pieces and save the day. Yeah, you remember that? Do you remember that? Yes. You know, we face an adversary much more dangerous and powerful than Brutus. And, and, and yet we have been given this spiritual weapons. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, like that cartoon. They're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. And the trouble with believers in the battle that we have day in and day out is they don't avail themselves of those weapons of all prayer and yielding the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And so it's not a simple matter. It's an essential matter. And it's something that you must pursue um, continuously. So we've looked at that in depth. And now we're going to take the last two, two weeks is my design, two weeks this week and next week on number three. Two weeks the, be the second and third uh, Sunday. So this one is what I'm going to call a spiritual discipline of church and body life. Um, it's one of those things that is desperately needed and yet so often taken loosely. Um, we, we look at church as something uh, when it's convenient or when I can or, or when it works. And, and, and that is not the sense at all. And, and I know most of you are well-schooled and you have a good ecclesiology and, and I, I can't do this in two weeks. I, I really would like to take a lesson like this and do it over three months. But um, we've looked at the church and you, you, have, you have learned about the church before and its essential nature. So I, I've got some highlights here, but I want to talk about some specific applications uh, to help you sort of push the reset button uh, in, in this area. And so um, the absolute spiritual uh, necessity of church and body life. Christ said he's building his church. Uh, it's God's plan for this age. You've heard Pastor Farrell say it so many times. There is no plan B. 
God doesn't have a plan B. There's only one plan, and we are it, the church of the living God. And he's building his church. And when that last soul comes in, the church is out of here. And, and so we are to um, center our lives and build our, our, our lives around the church. And, and you know how strongly I feel about family. I think that's been obvious to you through the years. And yet, in a, in a very real sense, even marriage is temporal. And, and sometimes to be born again means that your mother or your father or your sister or your brother biologically will literally hate you. And, and Jesus made that clear. But because there's something greater than our physical family, and that's our spiritual family. Being in the body of Christ of which Christ is the head and we are the body. We're the building of God. And, and we can say with integrity, we have a, a heavenly father that we can call on, call to, Abba Father, like it says in, in uh, Romans chapter 8. And, and we have brothers and sisters in Christ and, and, and we are going to dwell together um, for all eternity in a relationship that never ends. Every human relationship is going to end. It's temporal. But we have a spiritual relationship that's going to go on forever and ever and ever. There is nothing more important than the church. And, and we are to be a part of it. And it was something that's that important. It's just absolutely essential that we build our lives around it. The church is the body of Christ. And Christ builds his church through his word. Therefore, when the church gathers... As much as possible, you gather as part of the church. It said in Matthew 16, you've heard this many times, but I have it there in your notes. And I tell you, Peter, on this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And as the, as the church gathers, we, we give we grow and, and, and we live together and your ministry of presence and what you gain when you sit in the church is irreplaceable. There's no other place uh, where, where you can get it. Uh, look at these verses. And, and there's so many more. Um, Paul said to Timothy, I write so that you might know how you ought to conduct yourself or himself in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and support of truth. Listen, the society around us, the culture around us is decaying and, and, and it's falling apart. There's only one place that has the truth. And, and we have to fill ourselves with the truth so that the next spiritual discipline, how do we be salt and light? How do we be in the world but not of the world? Uh, they're in this order in this reason because we have to be saturated in the word, we have to be fully in intimate prayer with the Lord, and we have to be plugged into the local church so that we are being discipled and making disciples so that as we go out into the world, we have the weapons and the ability to actually be the salt and to be the light that God's called us to be without being taken prisoner or captive by our own passions. And, and so... It's so important. Look at Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. Let us consider how we stir one another up to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together. 
Notice that. We don't neglect meeting together because it's in the meeting together. Part of the meeting is that we are, we are encouraging and stirring one another up. It says, as the habit is some. It's easy to get into a bad habit, isn't it? It's easy to get into a habit of not coming. Listen, spiritual discipline. Just, I saw this, so I, I printed it out. I, I think it's good to a point. You need to improve in one of these spiritual areas. Here's probably the problem. Here's yourself. And in your inner circle, some people will call it an inner circle. Call it whatever you want. But what you need to do, and what's what the church does, is you need to move yourself out here from being alone to being in the center of the church so that you're being influenced in all those areas that you're weak in, so that you have people praying for you and holding you accountable. It's not a prison. It's, it's freedom from prison. There's no greater prison than sin has got a hold of you. And there's no greater freedom than confessing that to a brother or a sister and saying, would you pray for me and help me work through this area so I can live in victory for Christ's glory? That's real freedom. And that's real grace. And that's what the church is designed for so that we all are beginning to look like Jesus Christ. Does that make sense? But our tendency is to want to stay here. We want to stay isolated. We don't, we don't want to get too close one to another. Uh, we, we don't want to open up one to another. We need to take off the mass. Uh, remember when we came back um, from the pandemic? We were over in the other building, and, and we took that whole six months practically, and we looked at disciples, disciple. Remember that? Disciples, disciple. What does it mean, disciple, disciples? Who could give me a quick... What does it mean, disciples, disciple? What does that... Anyone want to throw that out there? How... That's it. If you're a disciple of Christ, you're a follower of Christ, and, and Christ told us to go get other followers and call them along. And so if, if, if you're sitting here and you call yourself a believer and you are regenerate, then there should be some way that you're hooked into the body and you're being discipled or you're discipling somebody else. It's a continual process. There's a hundred ways we do that. We talked about all that, but it's a continual ongoing process as we connect tighter and tighter together and grow more and more in the grace and the knowledge of Christ. We go from a a casual relationship. Somebody comes in the door, it's the first time. You introduce them. You hardly know anything about them. The next time you see them, you don't even remember their name. You're embarrassed. That's okay, they don't remember your name. So you introduce yourself again. And then you probably have some kind of system that, uh, you know, that, that you remember. You've, you've heard mine. I got my little book that I, that I write the name down in and maybe put one note or two so that I can remember what they are. And, and, and you get to know somebody. I wish that everybody could just be Joseph and Mary, but they can't, you know. So um, <laughs> I'm sorry, folks, but I saw you there. That was the first thing I think of. I never had a hard time with your names <laughs> for some reason. And... and um, in a casual relationship in time, as you begin to spend time and you get to know more about those people and they begin to open up, a casual relationship then moves to a, um, a friendship. Maybe only a casual friendship, but a friendship. And then eventually that, that, that moves into a real close relationship where you begin to share and you begin to 
pray with one another and be open with another. Listen, every single person here has besetting sins. May I say that? There is nobody sitting in here that doesn't have a besetting sin. If you don't have a besetting sin, I've got news for you. You're blind to it. Period. Okay, we all struggle. We're not saints, meaning we're saints that we no longer sin. No, we're just we're saints, meaning we've been regenerated. We've been set apart by a holy God. His righteousness has been imputed to us, and we desire to grow in the grace and the knowledge and the truth of Christ. So I want to put off my sin. I want to put on righteousness, but I struggle, and so do you. And we all struggle in different areas and different ways, and we desperately, as the church, need one another. Amen? And, and it's, it's essential. And so... You have to make it a priority. How big of a priority? How big of a priority is church to you? It's not prescriptive. But I can tell you this. Once I got saved and got into my first healthy church, God did things over the next 45 years that I can't even believe. And, 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 and do you know what happened? What, what happened was that someone told me, eyeball to eyeball what I'm telling you now, and I decided to lead my family, and when the doors were open, unless I was providentially hindered, I would be there. The first time I ever walked into a church like this, I had never gone to Sunday school, didn't even know what Sunday night was, and I couldn't imagine the fanatics would also meet on a Wednesday night. I, I, and I can remember making the trip and making the journey. But do you know every significant thing that has happened in my life or Judy's life has happened in the context of the local church? Everything. And that's going to be true with almost all people. This is where you're fed. This is where you grow. This is where people pour into your lives and you get a chance to pour into others' lives. There's no place like it. And so, yes, I'm a weirdo. I'd plan vacations around so I could be at church or the special conferences they were having. If there was a woman's conference, like we were coming up, you'd make sure you wouldn't do a vacation because you knew you need to have your wife and your daughter at the women's conference or the men's conference or whatever it was. And, and sure, you had to miss some things. I didn't do it out of legalism. I did it out of love for Christ and recognizing I desperately needed it. When I walked into that church, on Cherry Street in Midland, Michigan in 1982, if you think that I could have even dreamed, I'd be sitting here nearly 40 years later talking to you. None of us would have ever dreamed that. Is that right, Sherry? In fact, our little Sherry, listening to a message and sitting in a row, Sherry Scott, Judy Larry, at the invitation time, we all knew we had been saved. She called pulls on her mother's shoulder like little girls will do. Judy bends down and Sherry says, shouldn't we be baptized? Because we've been saved. Judy does what any good wife would do, wanting to be under her husband's authority. She looks to me and she says, Sherry says, shouldn't we be baptized? Now that weights on my shoulders. 
And guess what we did? We went and got baptized as a family. They'll remember when, when we did that. And, and that began a series of things in our life that have never stopped changing and never stopped blessing us. And, and you would have a similar story if you've been in church very long. And so push the reset button on the importance of church. It's not a casual thing. It's, it, it's an enormously uh, important uh, thing. Your pastors, your elders, shepherds, their grace gift to the church. You had that passage of scripture preached to you many times. For the sake of time, I'm not going to open it today, but go home if you wouldn't look at Ephesians 4, 11 through 16, if you're not familiar with it. It talks about how God gives gifts to the church, and the pastors and the teachers are gifts to the church. They're gifted. First Timothy and Titus gives what the qualifications of the character qualities would be, but they're, they're gifts um, to the church. And I know that sounds self-serving. I'm standing here as one of the elders of Timberlake Baptist Church, and it can sound self-serving. But I mean it with all humility. I have no idea why God would choose me, other than the fact that very clearly um, he has said he uses the base things of this world, the things that are not, that all of the glory would go to him. And praise the Lord for that. That Because of that, he uses clay pots and crack pots and that fits me just perfectly but nevertheless an elder I am and so I'm going to give an account for your soul and you should take benefit of me look what it says here there's some instructions for me and some instructions for you you ought to take time and you ought to figure out how you can get to know at least one of your elders if not all of them. Have a relationship where you feel comfortable, where you can talk with them, where you can bear your heart with them. Look what it says in 1 Peter. This is speaking to the elders. Therefore, I exhort the elders among you as your fellow elder and witness of the sufferings of Christ and partaker also of the glory that is to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God, which is among you. Every elder is called to shepherd the flock of God. That's a picture. It's an analogy. You know what it means. We could go to the 23rd Psalm. My job, given by God, to lead, to feed, provide for, protect the sheep. That's what I'm called to do, and I'll give an account for it. How do I do that? Exercising oversight, not under compulsion. Two things there. I, I, I'm not to do it because I'm being made to do it. I'm to do it because I sense God's calling on my life. And, and I also do it gently and carefully. It's, it's not the idea that I put sheep in a headlock and drag them along. Uh, it's, it's, it's the work of God. I'm simply the under-shepherd, and it's God's spirit and God's word that does the work. I just happen to be one of the people that he does it through. Look what it goes on to say. But voluntarily according to the will of God, not for sword gain. I can say with all integrity, I didn't get a raise when I left B&W to come to Timberlake Baptist Church. 
it wasn't for sword drink game. Little trivia, it's fine here. You know me, you're going to get it anyhow, whether it is fine or not. Jim and I, Jim Brooks and I, used to pray together. We used to have such sweet fellowship together. Do you know that Jim and I worked at Babcock and Wilcox together? And we both had a desire to be in full-time ministry, but couldn't really figure out how the Lord could ever do that. And then there came a day when Jim and I were praying together, thanking the Lord for the amazing, miraculous things that not only put us both in the ministry in unbelievable ways, but actually had us in the same church. And even I would be a board member on the same board that he would be a missionary in. Absolutely amazing. Only God does things like that. We couldn't have come up with that in our minds. Amazing. Not for sword game. Neither Jim and I were looking for game. We were looking for Christ. Whatever he wanted. Perfectly? No, of course not. I don't do that perfectly today. I certainly didn't do that perfectly 35 or 40 years ago. But there was an eagerness, a desire and yet I don't want to lord over people. Though they're my responsibility, and I'm to live among you and be an example to you. I'm to be an example how to rejoice when good things happen and how to be faithful when bad things happen. I'm to be an example for you when I have a good day, and I'm to be an example to you when I have a bad day. That weighs heavily on me. I have bad days like you have bad days. I have good days like you have good days. And just like you, it seems like the bad days come faster than the good days. But, but there's supposed to be an example. And the only way you're going to see that example is if you draw close enough to me that you can see it in those times. Or, or the other elders. And, and so there's a, there's a two-way street there. You could go to Acts 20.28. 20, it says basically the same uh, thing as the charge is being given there in the book of Acts. Look at Hebrews 13, because this is touchy. Oftentimes we don't like to look at, at, at this, but it's, it's very specific. First of all, remember your leaders. This is to you. It's the idea of remembering them in prayer, remembering their example, remembering what it is they face on a day-to-day basis. Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God, Consider the outcome of their way of life. There, there it is. You, you, you're to look at them and their way of life and the way they live, and you're to learn by it. You're to imitate their faith. Look what it says in verse 17. It says, you're to obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your soul as those who will give an account Let them do it with joy and not groaning, for that would be no advantage to you. So, I encourage you. Let me get very practical. At a minimum, there's 600 members. At a maximum, there's 750. There's five elders. Take whatever number you want. That means there's somewhere between 120 and 150 people per elder. Like a, a shepherd, I try to watch over the flock, as do the other men. And I try to keep track if all of a sudden one is, is, is straying, one's going afar, one's 
gone. We, we meet every single week and we go over a portion of the role and, and we know as elders who we have responsibility for and we give a, a little update and then we pray specifically person by person through the role. We've been doing that now for uh, well over a year because we know we have a responsibility. And sometimes out of that will, will come an action item. Boy, we need to do it. I wonder, wonder where that person is. I wonder, we haven't seen them in a while. My, my point is, is, that, is that pursue an elder. While the elders are pursuing a hundred or more apiece, pick one and you pursue them. You pursue getting to know them. You pursue spending time with them, with him and his wife. And many of you have done that here. And as you pursue that, then we build a relationship together. And um, yes, my schedule is, is, is slammed, but I have a priority. And guess who my priority is? You. Who gave me that priority? God. And so I have a priority to get to know you. You help me and you help yourself if if you draw close to me as well. Take advantage of gaining the counsel of your elders before making any potential life-impacting decision. Listen, you don't need to come to an elder and ask them what color car you should buy. Should, should, I, should I put on aluminum siding or vinyl? I... I don't care if you come and ask me that, but there's, there's no unction in the Word of God there. But if you're going to make a life-impacting decision and you don't come to an elder, you're not availing yourself of wisdom, the wisdom that the Scriptures give, just honestly. I have never made a life-impacting decision since I've been saved and plugged into a church without sitting down with my pastor and saying, I'm thinking of relocating. I'm thinking of switching jobs. I'm thinking of selling and buying another house. I didn't have to. It wasn't, it wasn't incumbent upon me, but I wanted their wisdom. I, I wanted to speak with men who I know talked with God regularly and I know who love me and would not be afraid to say or ask tough questions like, how do you think that will impact your ability to um, shepherd your children if you move there or if you take that job? Or if you buy that house, what will that mortgage payment be compared to the one you have now? Ask me the hard questions. You want somebody to ask you the hard questions sometimes? Sometimes you don't, but it would be a really good thing if they did ask a hard question. And again, what's counsel? Counsel isn't having a pastor tell you what to do. Counsel is just saying, well, based on what you've said, based on what I understand of the scriptures, I gave it here, we counsel with a word, based on what I understand with scriptures, this is the probable outcome if you do this. This is the probable outcome if you do this. This is the probable outcome... If you do this, and then I, I pray with you, and, and you make that decision. You don't submit to me in those areas, but you gain the counsel and the wisdom. And so you should consider that. Not, not it's just me, all, all of the other men. And then you make your own decision, and we live. So um, the last point there we'll cover next week, and we'll um, look at uh, some other uh, essentials. I plan to share with you maybe a, a little further a thumbnail uh, sketch of our life. And it's 
connection to the church. And if you would like to, you could be reasonably brief, like three minutes. If you'd like to share an update on how you came to Christ or your life, we, we would love to hear that. You see, that would help us to get to know one another. If, if somebody were to share, well, this is, this is how the Lord has worked in me how I'm in this place or that place. And then that, that helps us to connect one to another. Do you see what I'm getting at? And, and so we'll, we'll offer you that opportunity uh, next week as well. We'll look at this. Take a look at the reflection questions that I have down there and, and think those reflection questions through. And, and we're going to talk about your service, your service in the church. Church isn't for spectators. It's not that you come here, we put a show on for you, and you go home and say, wow, that was great. That's not church at all. And, and so you are to be a participant in the church. How do you participate? And we're going to share with you some ways you might be able to tell how God has shaped you for ministry. So we'll see you tonight for the ice cream social. And uh, Lord willing, next week, God bless you. You are dismissed.